My name is Jenny. My name is Ted. My name is Gray. And, and this, this is, is Anamorphology. The Invasion. The Visitor. The Encounter. The Message. The Predator. The Capture. The Stranger. The Alien. The Secret. The Android. The Forgotten. The Reaction. The Chain. The Unknown. The Escape. The Underground. The Decision. The Spell. The Departure. The Sound. Discovery. The Proposed Threat. The Mutation. The Separation. The Deception. The Suspicion. Resistance. The Extreme Sacrifice. The Diversion. The Answer. The Beginning. Okay, we read number 36, The Mutation. It was my favorite book ever. It was obviously Gray's favorite book ever. And I think for Ted, it was like top three. Gray, would you like to share your actual opinion of this book? (laughs) My question is, why is this book so bad? And please tell me this is the worst one. (laughs) They don't get any worse than this, Okay, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about that. While we just we just re- looked up, this Ghostwriter only wrote this one. I don't have a strong memory of this one being this bad. No, me neither. I hated it. It was so bad. It was so bad from start to finish. And there are definitely books to come that I remember less fondly than this one. No, so I'm yeah. really sorry about that. But yeah. there's at least two that I can think of that make me angry in a way that the memory of this book does not. But it was mostly bad in like a really boring and silly way, right? Yeah, I actually, okay, I didn't hate this. It felt like kind of like nothing. I, I don't remember strongly hating it. I remember thinking it's, it was okay. And yeah, it like, it wasn't okay, but I didn't like hate it. I just think the, the characters were completely flat, right? Mm-hmm. The plot's ridiculous, but that's normal for Animorphs. The characters were completely flat, and the tension was only based on very, very silly things. Yeah, there wasn't a very good reason for them to be doing most of the things that they did. And they sort of pulled in a few thematic strands, but didn't really develop any of them. And all of Jake's stuff was just like total retread of like stuff from 20 books ago. Yeah. Not a good retread. No, it was just like, I don't know. And he has to make choices and it's hard sometimes. Yeah. But (laughs) it's hard and that's why he does a bad job. Let's try and explain what this is about (laughs) and then we can complain about it more. All right, let me let me tell you guys about this book. Okay, please because to 60 thank seconds, goodness I don't want to have to it. listen to more than sixty <laughs> seconds of this book. Uh, okay, this book starts when Cassie calls Jake in the middle of the night and asks him to come to the barn. When he does, he finds a dying hork bajir. Turns out, Visser Three has decided to try to find the Pemelite ship from Book Twenty Seven, and to do this, he tried to create an amphibious hork bajir, which of course is a a stupid idea to begin with, and b did not work. All of the hork bajir died. He had like 50 of them. They all died. But this one managed to get free and get to the free hork first. Since this idiotic plan did not work, Visser 3 decided instead to create a deep sea vessel, the Sea Blade, that can go down to the depths at which the Pemelite ship is presumably hidden, and which is also cloaked from normal human sensors. This is a better plan than the amphibious hork so why he didn't start with this? And what? So the Animorphs decide they have to destroy this ship before it can find the Pemelite ship. So they get Orcomorphs to follow it. They use their Wilmorphs to attack the Sea Blade in what is a really brutal battle. The damaged ship sinks toward the bottom of the ocean, and they follow to make sure it's destroyed. But instead, they see it being towed into a cave by some humanoid shapes. Dun-dun-dun. When the Animorphs follow the sub into that cave, they find themselves in an underwater cavern filled with ships from throughout the ages. They identify, for example, a frigate, a Spanish galleon, a PT boat, and a aircraft carrier from World War II, and somehow the boys know all of these ships. Fine. Uh, the ships also have a lot of dead sailors on them. It's all very creepy and weird. The Anors get captured by the locals. They are people called the Nartek. The Nartek are blue, have gills and webbed feet, and, oh, right, seem to be from the lost city of Atlantis. Fine. 
They've also mutated over time. Get it? Get it? Mutated? Possibly oh, helped. Oh, <laughs> I like this book so much more. Possibly helped by the super radioactive rocks of their city. They also capture ships, learn about the surface world, and then kill or intermarry with the sailors. It's all very messed up. The Animorphs realize they're going to get killed, so they decide to steal the Sea Blade and almost get slaughtered by the Nartek until Mr. Three shows up because he's been hiding in the ship for some reason, and he decides to help them for some reason. <laughs> so they team up to get out, but the hatch of the ship is broken, the Nartek are after them, the Sea Blade gets destroyed, they all get out, and that is how the book ends. While you were talking, Gray, I remembered that taxons exist. <laughs> Just in general? Like, they are already good underwater. Why don't they just send them to find the mm-hmm, Pemlite ship? Mm-hmm. One of many reasons that... Why don't they find a well, human Well, no, 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 because they know the Pemlite ship is too deep, right? The sea blade no, no. theoretically could it have is gone. in fact not deep. <laughs> they were supposed to put it somewhere deep, and Book 27 said it was deep. But in this one, they say, it's not that deep. It's just in the yep. middle of, like, a naval testing zone or uh-huh. something, so humans will be unlikely to go there. Oh, yeah, yeah, which I a couple remember. things... Yeah. Why don't you just put it deep like you said you would? And it doesn't matter if having a taxon, they live in the ocean. A much better plan. But also, (laughs) what exactly kind of amphibians is he thinking of that are going to be able to go down to the depths that the Pemelai ship supposedly is? What exactly was this plan? That was a terrible plan, clearly. The Sea Blade is also a weird plan, because why don't they just steal a human ship? Yeah, and also, just sorry, really fast on the amphibians thing, which of his previous plans led him to think that him or anyone on his side would be able to the have Valique. the skills for that? They no. bioengineered that Valique real well. But they also tried to bioengineer <laughs> hammerhead sharks and the Animorphs blew up the facility, right? But they were good at it before the Animorphs blew up the facility. Yeah, yeah and like... It's just those pesky kids. It is. It's those meddling kids. Meddling and like I think. I think the Sea Blade is a bad plan in the way that most of Visser Three's plans are bad, though. Is it egregiously bad? No, he just no. goes overboard for things that don't make any sense. The thing that bothers me about the plan is that Jake is really, really, really worried about the Sea Blade, <laughs> right? Yeah. He's like, if we let it out of our sight for one minute, it will find the Pemelite ship. <laughs> Everything will be over, so I'm going to make all these terrible choices based on the fact that we have to destroy the Sea Blade now. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Then they're really worried about the Nartag having the Sea Blade. It's like the ultimate weapon or something. Yeah. Even though Orcas can destroy it. Sorry, Greg. Even though Orcas can destroy it, I also... And listen, this is not a great point, but I just want to make the point that (laughs) unless Visser 3 has yet again incapacitated the Chi, this feels like it's their problem. (laughs) You know? That's a good That's point. A really good point. Well, so they bring Wait, up. And Eric can get to it in yes! like five minutes flat, right? Yes. So they bring up the possibility that maybe the Chi can just move the ship, and the other animals are like, no, but then it'll just be like hide and seek forever. We need to destroy this ship because we know the Yerks will never build another ship because they only do things once. Right. right? They didn't say that part in that book, but, you know. But the, we know that. They only do things yes. once. Why are the Chi keeping the Pemelite ship? That's a good question. They could just destroy it, probably. I don't remember what on the Pemelite ship Visser 3 wanted the last time they had it. Well, he doesn't know what it is. He just knows it's super powerful. Does the Pemelite ship, is it responsible for running the Chi net? Is is there, like, any logistical reason? 
Oh, I don't know. I don't think so because then how did Mister Three like wipe it out or you know incapacitate the Chinet in Book Twenty Seven? Right? He somehow Uh, the Chinet was not incapacitated; it was still working, but the Drode messed up certain things. Right. So unless somehow the Drode is going to appear again. I just think it's the chi's problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. We don't even see the chi in this book. No. Like, they're not involved at all. They're taking over again for... Right, so... It was yeah, a slim I- excuse to get them under the, the water. The idea of they have to destroy the sea blade at all costs is certainly under-motivated and is probably the responsibility of the authors who put the outline together. <laughs> I, well, look, I will were, acknowledge that, but that is the least of There were a lot of under-motivated actions yeah. in this book. Yes. Like, also, why... Then they attack the sea blade. I have a list of all of the plans Why would you bad. think you could destroy the, the sea blade in Whale Morph? Why are they never Whales prepared Whales versus guns? a ship? There are always guns. Why are you never prepared for the guns? <laughs> and the thing, I don't know the what thing, their plan even was. But again, it's like, there's kind of no reason for them to pick this fight. And then you get pages of Jake being like, now that I've made this choice, I'm realizing all of my friends are going to be shot by guns. And oh, oh how could yeah. I have made such a stupid mistake? But it's like incredibly obvious that this is not going to work. Also, then turn around and go home. Why are you doing this? I mean, one of the weirdest things was that the orcas actually did incapacitate the sea blade. Like, that seems completely implausible to me. It did seem like once they started the fight, they were kind of trying to get away. Maybe they weren't, actually. No, they, no, they keep chasing mm-hmm. it. Interesting. They, like, remorph after getting seriously injured That's to, like, go point. back after yeah. it. One, they make friends with two additional whales solely so that we can see the power of the sea blade when it cuts a whale entirely in half, and it's right. only by yeah. luck that it's one of their two friends and not one of the six animorphs. Like, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and they also have this weird obsession with Visser 3 the whole time, because like yeah. they never know that Visser 3 is on the sea blade until yeah. the very end. But they're like, oh, well, we, we assume he's there, so like right. that means it's extra Which serves, important like, to be destroyed. Which serves two purposes. Like, one is, oh no, we can't just morph, because Visser 3 might be here. Sure, have we ever known Visser 3 to be quiet and stealthy? Whatever. And then the other one is, oh no, we can't leave. Visser 3 might be here. We don't want to leave him here alive. I don't, like, Visser 3 is always around. This isn't your only opportunity to face off against Visser 3. Yes, and if he is there, great. Because then he's trapped <laughs> in an underwater cavern in a ship oh, that he can he definitely can't... get out, but. But, like, he, yeah. he can't use his ship anymore no, because he true. needs them to run it. Yeah. Leave him. Well, so there were a few reasons for them staying with the Nartek. None of them were very good reasons. The thing where they feel like they need to see the Seablade destroyed. Eh, there's some weak arguments about the Nartek will use the Seablade to, like, go up and terrorize the surface-dwelling humans. But, like, as some of the Animorphs point out, probably the humans will be able to overwhelm it with numbers anyway. It's not really the Animorphs' fight. Well, at first they don't even know that the Nartek are a thing. So it's kind of like, oh, well, something happened to the Seablade. We'd better investigate it to really make sure it's gone, you know? I guess that's sort of legit. I, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, then, like, there are reasons for staying. It does seem, at one point, Shake's like, had I made the wrong call just because I was curious? And I was like, yes, that seems likely. I think that's what happened. <laughs> I think if it had been more motivated by curiosity, it would have been more realistic. <laughs> like, if they had seen something so cool. And they're like, we have to see what that is. Right. Like, yeah, What if right. this could turn yeah. the war around if we got these Nartek mm. on our side or whatever? Right. <laughs> and so it's just creepy the whole time. So should we talk about the Nartek and who they are and what they're like? Sure. We can talk more about Jake's bad decision-making and all the weird logistical things, but... 
great. Yeah. So the Nartek, it seems like, used to be on an island, probably Atlantis. Do we ever see the word Atlantis in the book? Except Marco that? says, Marco jokes maybe about it's Atlantis. It. And then it turns out he seems to be accurate because they lived on an island in the middle of the ocean that slowly began to sink under the water. Mm-hmm. And they built their walls higher and higher, and then... You know, the walls, like, closed in overhead from the pressure of the sea, and they sank, and then they evolved really fast, like you said, Gray. Um, They were like, we became amphibious by, like, the power of our will. And Axis, like, probably these rocks are radioactive. Another great reason to stick around, incidentally. (laughs) And now they have this whole society under the sea, where I guess they bring in lots of sailors and breed with them and learn their languages super well. And stuff them. And, and then keep stuff them. In them. A, a ghost ship graveyard. Yeah. For history. For reasons that are never. <laughs> they also they seem to have a Hunger Games style society of like the rich capital in the center, and mm. then like as you move out, yeah. you know, the neighborhoods get poorer and poorer and it was a very fewer and fewer resources. Unimaginative type of stratification. I was like, you have like this underwater, like amphibious society. There could be more interesting groups, but they're like, no, the important families and then the like, you know, intelligentsia, the like doctors and lawyers mm-hmm. or whatever, and then the artisans and laborers and then the poor people. We don't care about them. And I was like, this is just super boring. Yeah. In shanty towns and and it's like, okay, well, it's nice to know that even Atlantis doesn't have a utopia, even though why are you messing with all of the stories of Atlantis ever? <laughs> Fine. Even And Cassie points out, like, nice to know discrimination is alive and well among the Nartec. Mm-hmm. It just, I, I found that whole, the whole society very frustrating. Like, the idea that they are somehow getting these ocean vessels from all around the world, mm-hmm. as is stated yeah, I don't know how definitively by Marco and Jake, which... How do you, how do you know that this ship sank in the Mediterranean, which you have just told me definitively <laughs> Did happened? They? That's yes. so weird. And I, I didn't said, notice but, that. But how do you how do you know that? Like, what a completely bizarre thing to say. So, let me. I'm actually gonna find it. Yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> when they're going through the graveyard of all the ships. This is. <laughs> These ships and boats are from everywhere, Marco pointed out. Atlantic, Pacific, thousands of miles away. That galley has to be from the Mediterranean. Oh, okay. That doesn't mean it sank there. For some reason, he just knows the ship style no. of the Mediterranean. That's to me, this weird. read is like this city is the like a global Bermuda Triangle thing where like somehow <laughs> ships are getting sucked down from all over the world. Right. But then later they say that they go out and get them from all over the world. Right. So really the, the Nartek have swum, presumably. Well, they've probably taken their other ships and gone and brought they, back. There was, like, one submarine. They've been doing this since oh, 1812. Right. How did they do that? Well, they are amphibious, so they probably swim. Yes, I imagine yeah. that's what they did. Yeah. But you're telling me that they swam from <laughs> the coast of California <laughs> to the Mediterranean, and then they towed back again for no reason. For history. Why? But it does seem like a lot of these ships must sink nearby if they have the sailors still alive. That is what I thought. Yeah. Until they told me they went out and got them. Hmm. It's very inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. I do like one thing about the the Nartek. This is one of the five things you like. This is one of the five things. I can count the things I liked in this book on one hand. But the queen of the Nartek, Queen Soko, Mm -hmm. um, goes on this rant about how the Nartek are like, well, they basically introduced this whole idea of like, oh, we're going to conquer the world again and take back what is ours. But then they say, 
and we keep sending out people to go to the world of the sun or whatever they call the like mm-hmm. the land and they're like and we keep sending people out in these like boats that we've reclaimed and you know no one's ever <laughs> no come back but come that's back. definitely the problem of like this inferior tech human technology right and so now that we have the sea blade we will, it is clear to us that a more intelligent advanced people than mere surface dwellers built such a magnificent vessel our plans are these we will send a carefully selected and trained crew of searchers to the surface in this powerful new vessel We will take whatever ocean-going vessels we encounter. We will mount raids on the cultures of the sun. We will conquer villages, towns, cities, even larger land masses. We will show all surface dwellers how powerful and advanced are the Nartek. The long centuries of our exile are over. Everyone gets really excited. I really like this. I really wish (laughs) that I could take this seriously for a second. Because it would be so awesome if the Animorphs were like, Hey, there's like, turns out there are a lot of aliens are real. Maybe we should just let them have the sea blade, have them attack California. Then everyone will believe us when we tell them that there are aliens, right? Like, and this idea of these like crazy aliens coming out of the ocean to fight things. It's like super interesting, except for yeah. the fact that, well, the book is terrible, so I hope it never comes back. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, it did seem like I will say, an implausible threat. We are yeah. also reaching the point in the series, Gray, when I feel like this is one of the many things that thankfully, does not come back in the future. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to spoil that there is no Nartek, Yurik, Hork-Bajir, Andalite politics coming that. up. Thank you. Toby and Queen Soko are never going to like have to come to a peace accord. Not Thank until we write our goodness. fan fiction. Yeah, oh, right, sure. Yeah. Stop signing us up for things, Jenny. <laughs> no, I did. I actually, I liked that section mostly because a problem that I had with this book, which is not really a problem with the book, but a problem with me is that I kept having to agree with Marco, and you know how I feel about that. <laughs> so, oh, like, about the, you know, how some of the Nartek are, like, actually pretty attractive? Not about how you want to pay attention to the girl in the, like, red convertible? Also not that part. About how you want to live in the building with the sexy figurehead? No, although, can we, let's come back to that. <laughs> Wait, that's another one of the things that I really like. When Jake, when Jake... Sees, was it a building or was it a no, ship? No, it's a ship. Yeah, he sees. No, he no, just no, sees it was like, like a sexy building that had like it was made. Part, out oh, right. Because actually, that's another thing that I kind of liked was just in generally the <laughs> the um, you know boats tied together like um, China Mievel style like cool underwater city. Sure, Some, it could. It's cool to imagine, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's not cool to read about of. in this specific instance. The central but, tower was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like. Just, I, I laughed. I giggled when Jake was like, and then I saw, like, the sexy mermaid on a boat, and I'm like, I got embarrassed. <laughs> it was pretty good. He's, like, pretending to pay attention to the tour. He's like, I'll look at this figurehead, which, now that I'm looking at it, doesn't have that much clothing on. <laughs> and then Mark is like, can I live in this building? Yeah. And, then and Gray agreed with him, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Definitely agreed with him on that part. Anyway, uh, when that came up, I was really dead set against this book. And I laughed. I got I got to count it on. Okay, yeah, it gets a point. Yeah. All right. Fine. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say that when she goes, the long centuries of her exile are over, I just made a note that was, sure, fine, enjoy your week of sunlight before you get bombed out of existence. Uh-huh. And then yeah. three minutes later, Marco goes, so we leave it to the Navy and we book out of this nightmare. And I was like, Marco was very correct, correct. in so many things, despite apparently the return of his like blatant hitting on everything that moves. Yes, but once again, I had to agree with him in that particular situation. And you know I'm so how sorry. I feel about that. I'm I so sorry. But there were several That's times rough. when he was... He identified that this is a terrible situation, and you know what would be a good idea? Leaving. 
Yeah, at one point, he's like, so that's it, we're staying. And Jake's like, I could put it to a vote. And Marco's like, no, I'll follow you. I was like, oh, come on, Marco. That's obviously the wrong idea here. <laughs> the other Get thing out we of here. learn about the Nartek is that uh, one of the reasons that they need to interbreed with these sailors who uh-huh. fall to their depths and survive somehow, whatever, is uh, Axe points out that he believes the Nartek are self-destructing. They're mm-hmm. profoundly inbred, as I believe humans know. Thank you, Axe. Insufficient <laughs> variety in the gene pool can lead to deterioration over time. The Nartek population is dropping. Fertility is dropping. Infant mortality from birth defects is rising. Lifespans are shorter. And he thinks, you know, part of that is probably also the radio- radioactivity and their lighting and, like, that's helping them, that's helping them mutate faster. Um, but, like, this book is just so goddamn weird. <laughs> why, why are we learning about the infertility of the Nartek? I mean, that's kind of cool. So I think there's, this is, like, the potential in this outline, which is where I maybe want to give mm, Apple Grant's benefit okay, of the doubt, okay. is there's, we've, we've sort of talked about before, especially in some of the Chronicles books, this, like, idea of, you know, tampering with biology is, like, against the natural oh, yeah. order. So you have Visser 3 doing these experiments at the beginning, and all the animorphs are, like, horrified by it and that's supposed to be some like motivating factor that they really have to destroy the sea blade even though, mm-hmm. whatever and then you get the nartek who are both like fallen humans who have been like genetically mutated in this weird way and now they're like have this like horrible alien breeding program etc etc i feel like there was a lot of thematic potential in that setup mm-hmm. that is not explored at all there is a lot of thematic potential in the idea of revenge also that didn't really get explored like because of those genetic abominations or um not exactly but like because of of han is the horkajir who got mutated you know is dying and cassie's his barn at the beginning and it's a really rough scene and and uh jake sort of has this thing and cassie has it even more strongly of okay yeah we need to go stop the sea blade because it could do bad things but also we need revenge for han and Cassie is sort of really harping on this when they're deciding what to do about the sea blade. And Jake's like, this was like the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. And he's like disturbed by this. And it keeps coming back in like Cassie keeps saying it like we need to avenge Han. And Jake is like keeps being reminded of that horror. And it never really goes anywhere. Like there's no like, oh, no, we did something stupid specifically to avenge Han. And that was the wrong idea. There's no like, oh, we did avenge it. Like there's no resolution in any direction, really. No. And it comes up again in weird places. At one point, Jake says, we don't do revenge, which is probably true. But yeah, it's probably a bad idea to do revenge. Um, And Jake says he's bent on avenging Han's death. Fine. Cassie really wants to avenge his death. But then at the end, it comes back when they're talking about what they're going to do about the Nortec mm-hmm. that um, Rachel, I think, suggests uh, that that they should go back and just destroy it. Like, she says, someone needs to wipe out the Nortec after what yeah. they did to all of the sailors. Them, she calls them filthy creatures. Filthy creatures. Which is a very weird word choice. Yeah. Who's this, Cassie like, again? Uh, Rachel, Rachel says Sounds like this or three talking, but okay. Filthy, and then filthy stick creatures as bad as the Yerks. And then the last page of this book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Axe says, all the sailors back there, all the humans, the Nortec, dot, 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 defiled. 
Many of them have sunk in storms or hurricanes or by the failure of primitive human technology. Many, but not all, Jake says. The rest, including those Japanese flyers, they were sunk by humans in human wars, not by the Nortec. The weapons they used on us, human weapons. We want to hate them for what they do. Maybe we should stop helping them do it. And so they think about it, and Rachel says, all right, fair enough. But, you know, after we win this war, we're going to go back, show people what's down there, and get busy. Not to fight, Rachel said softly, to bury. What is this book? Who is this person? That's like the least Rachel sentiment I've ever heard. What? I don't... What? Also, yeah, again, it's a weird thing, but assuming that this war ever does end and they have a chance to do this, there's still a weird race of, like, sea creatures living out there that they know about. So in addition to knowing about, like, psychic whales and stuff, they have to go and tell people about the Nartek, right? Or they could just leave them there to die out. You know what's actually going to happen? Fizzer 3 is going to kill them all. Yes. Is there really any question about it? No. He, they mean, destroyed he, his ship. Yeah, honestly. They humiliated him. Why? If, if they just put that in the book where it's like, oh, Fizzer 3 has sworn revenge against the Nartek. Let's help Fizzer 3 get out of here so this isn't our problem anymore. Actually, right? yeah. That would have been great. That w- Good point. So, then they could have debated the ethics of that. That would have been interesting. I do want to go back to this question that you brought up about revenge, because I would like to submit the scene in which I checked out of this book permanently, <laughs> okay. which is right. which is which Gray alluded to earlier. So this is when they're coming. They're trying to justify an all hands on deck, urgent ASAP blow up the sea blade at all costs mm-hmm. thing, and they're talking about maybe the chi can just move it. Blah blah blah. We have to sink the sea blade, Cassie said quietly. We have to sink it, destroy it, make them regret ever thinking about invading the ocean. I shot her a look. It wasn't like Cassie to be bloodthirsty. She met my gaze, unflinching. What they did to the hork was evil, she said. Over the line. Way over the line. Wait a minute. We need to teach them a lesson. When, do, when are the Yurks not over that line? I nodded. <laughs> I understood her feelings. But this mission couldn't be about feelings. Marco said what I was thinking. Hey, we don't teach lessons, and we don't do revenge. Besides, everything the Yerks do is over the line. Yep, we yep. stop them. That's what we do. Cassie looked unconvinced. Rachel was smirking in cocky agreement with Cassie. Rachel liked the idea of delivering a harsh lesson. I expected that from Rachel, but from Cassie, it worried me. There were problems here for me, as the leader of this bunch of tired, stressed-out misfits. Tobias hated going into the water. Marco wasn't convinced it was necessary. Cassie was taking it all personally. Rachel and Axe were their usual selves. I sighed. Fairly typical. At any given point, on any given mission, maybe half the team was going to be difficult in one way or another. Including me, of course. Maybe especially me. The tone in which you read that entire passage (laughs) really conveyed a lot about your feelings. This is why I do not... I cannot blame only the outline. Okay. I feel like this is the most lazily written cartoonish portrayal (laughs) of these characters that I have encountered in the series so far. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I also just think that the ghostwriter knew a lot of things and wanted to put those things into this Mm. book. So I have already complained about the fact that somehow they know every kind of ship ever (laughs) and what era it's from and why it has three masts and whatever. Fine. I don't care. But also, like, there are several times when Jake says stuff that at one point he says that the blade ship looks like it's something carved out of anthracite. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> Why do you, Jake does not know that nerd. word. <laughs> Jake does no, know that word. I don't know what I mean, anthracite like, I, that is. That should be, now I like six things. That's good. <laughs> that was very funny. And then, like, t- 
says the the um, air currents, it looks like hot air, you know, rising. And he says, <laughs> like waves rising off of hot concrete on a brutally hot day, a caloric wave or something. <laughs> what was that? You don't know that word? You're 14, that, that you're in a physics major. What the hell? <laughs> Yes. Also, yeah, this ghost trainer did some research on seagoing vessels yeah. and wanted us to know about it. Yes. By having Jake be like, here are all of the aspects that make me think that this is a Spanish galleon. You know what? There was also this very detailed explanation of active sonar from Marco. There were several things I hated about this scene. <laughs> Echolocation is a lot like what they call active sonar, Marco said. You bounce sound waves off an object and listen to the echoes. But subs don't use active sonar usually, because if you're pinging someone with active sonar, they can hear you. Subs usually stick with passive listening, which is, like, a lot of knowledge for him to have. And also doesn't really relate to anything, so I'm not sure why it's in there. But Rachel calls out, like, how do you know this? Like, are you just pulling this out of the air? And he says, Tom Clancy. That's very 90s. It's true. Skipping ahead to the 90s references. I nodded Tom Clancy, The Hunt for Red October. And then Marco says, you should read something besides glamour, Rachel. <gasps> Excuse Shut me. Up. I am so offended. That is completely, not only is which, it sexist and horrible, it's inaccurate. Which of the Animorphs is the best dude? Rachel. Rachel. Which of the Animorphs canonically has read The Art of War and has clipped out quotes to put on her wall? Thank you. Which, is the, which of the Animorphs is the only one who knew 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the book? Yeah, oh it God. just does It's all Rachel. All Rachel. I, yes. You know, which of the Animorphs is canonically in this book bad at math, geography, and history? Marco. <laughs> <laughs> he kept listing subjects he was bad at. And the other thing I hate, Rachel doesn't say anything to that comment. Yeah. She just, yeah. what, she just takes that? Like, what is this? It's very weird. I don't know. I'm offended. Later, she said she snipes at them. Uh, they're talking about pyramids. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is, Marco says, geography isn't my best subject, history either. But is anyone thinking what I'm thinking? And he's, like, describing these different kinds of pyramids. And Rachel says, because you two guys are experts on pyramids. And I was like, I don't know. They've been experts on f***ing everything else. They might as well be experts on pyramids, too. Why not? That's true. It's true. Did we have... I guess Cassie was like... Cassie knew stuff in the scene with Han at the beginning. Sure. Did Rachel get to know anything in this book? Was it just Jake and Marco? I think it's just... No, yeah, Rachel... I mean, Tobias knows a couple things, but mostly, yeah, Rachel doesn't get to know anything. She doesn't... Yeah, Rachel doesn't get any great moments in this. Oh, that's not true. Oh, this is this is on my list. Should okay. we talk about another one? Sure, of my let's top yes, ones? yes. Um, in the endless scene where they keep trying to destroy the blade ship by running into it with uh-huh. soft yes. underwater creatures, um, <laughs> Jake is wounded terribly uh-huh. and um, has to start demorphing deep underwater. And there's actually there's actually several good things about this scene. But mm-hmm. at first, they're like buoying him up. And Cassie's trying to say, you need to start demorphing now or you're going to die. But you you have to demorph in a certain way so that you don't drown. Right. right? So it's like, make sure that you keep your... I, I, work ahead. Your work lungs, ahead or I lungs guess. or something like that, which work is cool. Work from the feet up. <laughs> and then he's basically like, nah, I'm just going to... I can't do it. I got to go full human, but yeah. I can't survive. And suddenly, one of his friends eats him. And he's <laughs> breathing air inside the mouth of an orca as he is taken all the way up to the surface. And he's kind of like, 
spit out of the maw of none other than Rachel, <laughs> who is, of course, the person to do this heroic badass thing. I, will, I would like to note that Rachel also probably was inspired by her time inside the body of a dinosaur in Megamorphs 2 <laughs> okay. when she it's jumped true. in to save Tobias. So I don't think he was breathing air in the orca's mouth underwater because I don't think whales take in air through their mouths. But I think it was when she breaches and then she like leaps up into the air and it's really cool. I, I think it is written as if there was air inside the orca, but I did read it this was book ambiguous, a week ago, I and think. I will not go back and read I it thought, again. I thought while reading it, I was like, but orcas don't breathe through their mouths. And then I was like, okay, maybe it's like after she's already leapt into the air. Maybe she sucked him into her lung and then <laughs> coughed him back out. <laughs> maybe she cut open her own oh lung. Maybe orcas are like balloons. There's just air inside. <laughs> yeah, it's not totally clear what's happening. So yeah, Rachel does do a cool thing. Yeah, no, that it's was based that around was really being cool. a badass in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say one thing that Rachel does that I did not enjoy? At the end, when she is fighting in her grizzly bear morph. Oh yeah. They, yeah. They say, you know, Rachel gave one of the Nartek a bear hug. Literally. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I did like, though I found somewhat implausible, the dialogue that Rachel and Tobias have, um, because I think they just would have said it in private thought speak, but... Oh, when I Tobias rescues them? Yeah, well, yeah. so first, Rachel nice gives one. him a hug, or as close as she could come with a bird. Then she yelled at him, cut it kind of close, didn't you? Which is very Rachel and Tobias. Mm-hmm. And then later, Rachel says... I'm glad you're okay, Tobias. I hate it when you don't get taken prisoner with us. Yeah, well, I was worried about you too. So cute. Which is very cute. Although it was, they were both in, or like they were both using thought speak, so they would have just said it to each other. No, but still. Jenny, I like the idea that now they're like a little more comfortable Aww. sharing their relationship with their friends. Okay, all right. It's progress. Nice. Yeah. At the very beginning, when Jake is introducing everybody, mm-hmm. he mentions that Rachel gives Tobias a hard time about staying a hawk and not going back to being a regular human boy 24-7. And I was like... Why are we still talking about this? Yeah, that seemed like a weird thing for Jake to say. Like, has she been giving him a hard time really obviously and, like, publicly? I didn't like it. No. I didn't like the way all the characters were introduced in uh, Jake's head. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There are a couple of times that he, he sort of does this summary. We, being me, my best bud Marco, my cousin Rachel... Cassie, who he's already introduced, and Tobias and Axe, who we haven't met yet. Mm-hmm. And then later he says, my best friend, my cousin, my girlfriend, quite the word Yay. choice, uh, quite the word choice, and then a nothlet and an alien. Yeah. What is this? A nothlet. Yikes. Way to reduce him to his morphing accident. Don't like it. Uh, Should we touch on Cassie and Jake's relationship briefly? Yes, there's let's some, do that. There's some interesting, discussable moments. He called her his girlfriend. He calls her his girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, that's um, a big step. For we've like heard before from Cassie that, I think it was maybe Cassie's last book, where she was like, yeah, it was that really nice that one time that we kissed um, in, on the Escort world. Yeah. And we've kissed sometimes uh-huh. like in the heat of battle or really like six then. <laughs> like, sometimes I might like to kiss him in like a non-trauma-induced like situation. <laughs> and here we have the... <laughs> Cassie wakes up Jake in the middle of the night, comes to see this this last mutated Horkbajir die, mm-hmm. and they, you know, basically have like a sad make out time into the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> um, 
as they're comforting <laughs> yeah. each other. And I'm like, I guess this is one of those moments when, you know, they're really, like, brought together by this horrible war. But, like, yeah. maybe they could just go play mini golf or something. <laughs> Have a date night. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. Sad makeout time is maybe putting it, you know, extrapolating a little bit. As all it, it says, says is, well, we, we held, held each other. other. <laughs> Until Toby and Jara had wrapped Han's body in blankets and taken taken him into the sunrise. But yeah, I, I like that she didn't really need him to be there. Like, it, there wasn't an urgent mission or anything, but like, she just didn't want to handle this alone. And so he was able to help her through it. That was nice. But yeah, they could have a normal date sometime. That would be good. I also think things take a very interesting physical turn later when Jake kisses Cassie's blowhole. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That wasn't kissing. That was buddy breathing. <laughs> that was a classic, plausible deniability kiss mm. technique. Can you buddy breathe with your girlfriend? <laughs> well, if she's a whale, we don't want to imply interspecies making out. It's in the text, Jenny. <laughs> Yeah, we're well I wouldn't, past. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure global <laughs> kissing is making out, but let's not, let's not go any further. Okay, so holding each other is making out, but blowhole kissing it could just be a kiss, not like full-on making out. I realize you just said let's not go any further. I don't think the blowhole kisses back. I mean, <laughs> this book is weird in a lot of ways, but one of them is that they talk a lot about breeding, but like in very general terms. Or like very clinical terms. Okay. Yeah. I have another question. Sorry, yeah. listeners. This is what happens when we have a bad book. <laughs> when Marco, when they get to Nartic area, they're like, well, you know, Marco hasn't said anything like weird and skeevy for a while. So let's have him like talk about how like how hot the how hot one of the Nart yeah. the Nartic women are. So the, what's what's going on? What's going on here? Are they mammals or are they fish? What is he? What is he checking out here? Does she have like a big <laughs> fish butt? That he's like really admiring. Like, I mean, they're humanoid, right? Like they have webbed hands and feet, but like they're human shaped in most ways. I think, right? I guess. Yeah, like they if if they can interbreed with humans, they must yeah. be relatively similar anyway. I mean, they they mutated from humans. I don't yeah. think they're fish. Yeah. I think they're, they're not even like we're not even in mermaid territory. I think. Okay, no. so it's a lot yeah. less uncanny valley than I was imagining. Probably, although they okay. do have really, really enormous eyes, right. which is really terrifying. Yeah, enormous eyes, webbed hands and feet, gills. Yeah. Okay, enormous eyes. That's another one of the things that I liked, but not about the Nartek, about the seagull. Can I just read Ooh, the description yeah. of the seagull? Fine. I, <laughs> I, what's wrong? It was cool. It was cool. Thank you, Jenny. Council rules <laughs> against Greg. <laughs> Um, Go on. A seagull. The bird swooped only inches above our heads and landed on the metal railing, bordering the deck. Look at the eyes on that thing. The creature I thought was a seagull was not a normal seagull. Its eyes were enormous. They covered the entire sides of its head and touched over its beak. And unlike a normal seagull's eyes, this bird's eyes were bright blue. That's really cool. I liked it a lot. The thing where they touch... It's just, yeah, it's a really interesting image. The two eyes touching and taking on most of the head. <laughs> Gray does not look pleased. sure that this book understands eyes. Evolution is what mm. I was going to go with, but mm -hmm. sure, eyes. So yeah, I guess this seagull must have been living in the city before it sank. And this then it got trapped. many, many great-grandparents. Well, yes, yes, obviously not And then not for some seagull. reason, being a seagull in an underwater cavern... 
was a good enough adaptation for the seagulls to survive, but they just needed to adapt their eyes. <laughs> so they can spot the garbage. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. I, I'd like to read the, um, I've got one more kind of Rachel, it's sort of a Tobias and Rachel thing, but it's mostly just my favorite line in the whole book it comes from Tobias. All right. Where they, why are they in this tornado? <laughs> I don't actually know. I don't know. Something happens where they're in this underwater cavern and then they get sucked oh, into yeah, yeah, yeah. something. I don't, I don't care. And <laughs> Tobias says, okay, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> Great question, Tobias. You read my mind. Well done. And he says it um, very dryly. And then not that long afterwards, Cassie wonders whether this is good luck or bad luck. And mm-hmm. Rachel says dryly, it's our luck. That seemed like, very right. That Yeah, the two yeah, of them have similar good. senses that's of humor, good. very dry sense of humor, and what fresh hell is this is a <laughs> completely accurate description of this entire book. So that that stretch of lines, are you guys looking at that? No. Yeah. Right? Okay. So there are five lines here. I want you to tell me which line belongs to which character. Mm-hmm, oh, I'm mm-hmm. looking at it. Okay. So, whoa, everybody okay? That was kind of fun. Right, like being caught in a clothes dryer or a tornado. Yeah, we're fine, Jake. Okay, what fresh hell is this? All right. Whoa, everybody okay? That's Jake. That was kind of fun. Who would say that? Rachel. Rachel would say that. Who would say, right, like being caught in a clothes dryer or a tornado? Marco. Marco would say that. Who would say, yeah, we're fine, Jake? Cassie. Right, and then we already know Tobias said, okay, what fresh hell is this? Those are not the people who say those lines. <laughs> Disaster. <laughs> that was kind of fun, is Marco, which, like, okay, maybe it's, like, the roller coaster in 15 or whatever. Uh, right, like, being caught in a clothes dryer or a tornado is Cassie. Which, no, it's not. Oh, no, it's not. No. And then, yeah, we're fine, Jake, is Rachel. Like, who, who also, wrote this? No, it's not. You know what? I take back everything I said about it's not the ghost writer's fault, because this is, no. Um, all right, are we... <laughs> Let's keep talking about some of this stuff. There's 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 a cliffhanger in this book where they're going to they're sneaking around Nartek land, and Jake's like, "Okay, the coast is clear, and I'm having Tobias like watch the skies." Mm-hmm. And the Nartek pop out from the water next to him, <laughs> yeah. and Jake is like, "Oh no, I had Tobias watching the sky, but this was a world of water." And I was like, "No, this is dumb. <laughs> this is a dumb plot. It's a stupid cliffhanger." And I hate it so much. (laughs) You know, I I a little bit liked that. I'm going to defend that a little bit because he is so used to having Tobias watch from above and like that's sort of their surveillance method. And this doesn't, like it's not obvious to them how much of the Nartek society is underwater. Like it looks like stuff is growing in a field, like a farm. And you don't think like, oh, there must be people living under that field. Like, I can see why he made that mistake. It's a little unjustifiable that he made the same mistake a little while later, where he's like, oh, there are only two guards, and then more people pop out of the water. He's like, right, they're amphibians. And like, oh, come on, Jake, you just learned this lesson. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Also, I think probably thinking a lot about how hard it is to remember in, for example, an extended period of time spent underwater in a Dungeons & Dragons campaign that there are three dimensions to deal with and not two. Not that I have any personal experience with making mistakes (laughs) in logic in that area. No, you obviously don't. No, you would never do that. 
But also, you were not actually underwater at the time, and Jake is. Like, yes. if we're excusing anyone, it's maybe, like, the ghostwriter, I guess. But also they're editors, so. How about um, that the Nartek queen shows off her linguistic skills and oh takes about six languages to get to English. And despite then being it, right off the coast of California? Despite being off the coast of California and then immediately saying, of course, English is the international language of commerce. Why didn't you so start like, with that? Yeah, sure, maybe, <sighs> maybe, like, statistically, go for Chinese first. Then go for English, right? Like, it doesn't make any Even sense based on what they statistically, they, they're relatively close to California. Go for English first. Completely or maybe if they're a little... Su- maybe they should go for Spanish first. Not Chinese. Again, like, what? within the text, Queen Soko is obviously a complete disaster in every yes. way. But yes. Also, none of the Animorphs have Asian heritage. Like, they have a museum of, like, different types of humans. Yes. Why would they think they're Chinese? It is dumb. Yeah. Other things that are dumb. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time being essentially held captive by the Nartek. Mm-hmm. Throughout that period of time, they refuse to morph <laughs> on the understanding, as Jenny mentioned earlier, that Visser 3 might be watching them from somewhere, and then he'll know In that they're humans. They definitely morph, because yeah. they're humans right now. And then they finally, when they finally decide to morph, they go right to battle morph. Mm-hmm. A couple things. <laughs> one. At one point, you were in a net. Uh-huh. So in a net that has holes in it. Yeah, yeah. And you have a number of small morphs that can get you out mm-hmm. of that net. And far enough away that when you morph back, you're not in a net anymore. But yeah. great, great. Those Nartek could be civilians. They also could be controllers. We don't know. Visser 3 could be anywhere. But, you know, what do they do <laughs> at the end of the book when they're standing next to Visser 3 in a sinking sea blade. Do they morph to human? Would it, would it quit? When they know Visser 3 is right there? <laughs> they sure do. And then morph back into Orca so they can swim away? <laughs> he's, yes, they he's do. right there. He's right there. They know. It, they're not even suspicious. They know that Visser 3 <laughs> is there. <laughs> but no, no. Think, they're underwater and no one can see anything underwater. Oh. So that's oh. why when Jake is following the sea blade and he morphs from human to orca, and he's like, they definitely know I'm here. They would have registered the orca on their radar, There's or sonar or whatever. There's no chance they would ever have registered a human turning into an orca. No, yeah, humans no. are too small to be picked up on <laughs> Yes. That's, As yeah, we all exactly. know, thanks to Marco's <laughs> exposition. We all have read The Hunt for Red October. Exactly. Just found this whole thing so enraging. Just another thing. <laughs> this is, I, again, I'd already checked out pretty early on in the book. Jake first morphs the orca. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, did you pick up on what happens here when he morphs the orca? The orca knows it's been oh, morphed. Yeah. Can we talk about this? Because I have this in my morphing section of my notes. One, either this is the orcas are somehow the only species in the entire <laughs> universe that is an exception to the morphing rules. Yeah. Or Jake is completely losing it. The book never addresses this. <laughs> yeah, because he's morphed human. Yeah. He's morphed into another human. Are the humans not as he's morphed chimpanzee? Is the orca smarter right. than the chimp dolphin? Like What have you got for us here? I have no good explanations. What I do have is a lot of ranting for several reasons. One. This is the first time that they use the word mutation 
And this is before we get into the nonsense of Atlantis. And my mm-hmm. note there was, get it, get it, mutation. Mm-hmm. It turns out that's not what they're talking about. Okay. But what Jake says is, he's talking about prey animals versus predator animals. If only a few have I encountered that strange mutation, intelligence. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. I like it. I hate you. <laughs> I just... Okay, and then he goes, so they're they're very smart, as smart as a dolphin, as smart as a chimpanzee. It occupies that highest, most narrow rung just below Homo sapiens. I'd encountered intelligence in a morph before, but there was something new here, new for me at least. The orca was aware of me, of something, someone directing its behavior. It knew in some incomplete, simplistic way that it was being controlled. It f***ing what? No, it didn't. You're not controlling the orca. You are the orca. What are you talking Frank, about? Is dissociating from his morphed identity? Doesn't make any goddamn sense. Okay, but also, he has morphed a human before, an adult human male in that in 21, and he's like, this is totally new that I'm in a morph intelligent enough to know. Like, The cool, appraising intelligence, though it was devoid of memory of learning, empty of all knowledge except the knowledge encoded as instinct, that intelligence watched me. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's definitely a new thing. Just... Seems dumb. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It's also like, are they trying to make a yerk metaphor? But they're like, it doesn't work. The thing is like, the science fictioniness of what the Animorphs are doing has never been, like, one of the strengths of the series, right? A lot of ridiculous stuff happens. But it's so consistent all the time. Mm, and this is, mm-hmm. it's like, this is one of the worst things to be inconsistent about. Yeah. It's, like, so disappointing. Yeah. Also, we don't get to see them actually getting the Orca Morph. That's true! I was like, real bummer. to SeaWorld. And maybe they were like, oh, we've done that with, like, the dolphin. Yeah, but and I, like, shark, really wanted but... a Free Willy moment. Yeah. But it's not Free Willy. It's... What's the swoosh. name of it? <laughs> this was the last thing I really liked. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was hilarious that the whale's name was Swoosh. Marco makes a joke about... Swoosh? 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 Marco okay. makes a joke about who would name an orca swoosh and Cassie begrudgingly admits that it's product placement for Nike. <laughs> Hilarious. Genius. I like Such it. a good product. Really funny. Really funny. Also very 90s I feel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah I was bummed about that. I want to go back though to the thing where they're in the Nartex city and Jake keeps making stupid decisions. Like what we're really dealing with here is <laughs> this poor writer like could not handle this outline. Like okay they're supposed to like find out about the Nartec. Like, they need to see this city. They need to interact. Wait, there's no good reason for them to not just morph and escape. Okay, gotta come up with some good reasons. Okay, I found some reasons. Jake (laughs) decides not to and then regrets it for the rest of the book. Jake makes a bad decision. That's really narrowly satisfying. So unreal. It's like like within five pages, he's like, no, 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 we have to do this. And he's like, I wondered if I had made a bad decision. (laughs) It's like, yes, yes, you did. I expected, because, like, I had a vague memory of this book. I was like, yeah, they, like, hang out with the Atlanteans or something. I was so shocked when we immediately found out that the Nartek were hostile to humans and, like, to the Animorphs. They were, like, immediately enemies and, like, had them in prison. I was like, oh. Yeah, you know, and it's super hostile to serve them all that really high-quality sushi. (laughs) It was rough. Uh, No, but I was like, I expected it to be more of a, like, 
Welcome to our city. Visitors from the outside, please come to our feast. We mean you no harm. Come check out our hospital. Like, expect oh, that Marco, to be you like this one? Twist. Well, why don't you go read with her? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Nartek women are like hitting on Marco. Yeah, I, I expected it to be like, yeah, they're friendly and obviously they're going to turn out to be evil, but it'll be a surprise twist when they do. But no, they were just like blatantly, like straight up dangerous from the beginning and so it was there was really no excuse for the animorphs to hang out with them i have a question that i think may explain some of this okay okay is this book by any chance thoroughly pulled from an old star trek episode (gasps) interesting i don't remember this from the original series yes Oh, this is my headcanon. Let's not okay. research this too closely. <laughs> Perfect. All right. It was probably Next Generation. Sure. Next Commenters, Generation. I think yeah. it might have been only because at one point Jake says, uh, we come in peace. I oh, said, right. feeling like I was Captain Picard in some old episode of Trek. And I put a note that was like, the only possible explanation for any of this happening <laughs> is that it's directly pulled from a Star Trek episode that I've never seen. You know, yeah. I can totally see Apple Grant sitting around being like, oh my God, we've done 35 of these we don't have any plots left. They've morphed all of the good animals. We don't even know. Okay, let's go to the more obscure Star Trek episodes. Just lift their plots wholesale. It's what we did for 32. We'll do it for this one. It'll be great. People seem to like it. Surely no one will notice. <laughs> Only explanation. I like that. I, you yeah. know, that's, I do hope I'll that that is that. actually true and that one of our listeners knows their Star Trek really well and is like, yes, it was this episode. Lisa, tell us the truth. <laughs> exactly. Can we talk a little bit more about Visser 3? Yeah. Visser 3 sure. should know better. The Animorphs have... This is the third time. Yeah, have broken <laughs> their deals with him Every so single many time. times. Every single time. It doesn't make any sense. Why didn't Visser 3 just kill them? Yeah. He needs them to drive the Sea Blade. He can't do it on his own. Okay, it's not like the Sea Blade has rigging. Like, just maybe he doesn't know how to, how to fly the ship. Actually, I would buy that. I bet Alaric can figure it out, though. Like, yeah, maybe he can't, like, drive the ship and run the weapon station. But, like, I yeah. I don't know. He's also not, like, he's not the kind of person to not kill people because he's going to need them later. Yeah. Yeah. He, okay, he also is not the kind of person to chill right, for, like, several days and then start fighting right when he can help his enemies. Yeah, let the enemies get slaughtered. Yeah, he should have let all the Animorphs get killed. Figure out how they got in. Go out that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, again, I feel like there's a lot of potential for this idea of the Animorphs in Visser 3 get captured by a a very powerful hostile alien race. Yeah. And in some way have to work together to escape. That would be super fun. That's a great concept. That's not what happened here. This is not what happens. (laughs) The plot is nonsense. The characterization is nonsense. It doesn't really feel like Mr. Three because he's no. not like he's not like he he feels like a shell of himself like most of the characters do, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I I liked Jake's point about like Marco or someone is like we don't even know the Visser is here, and Jake is like, no, the Visser is definitely here. They're going off to find the Penalite ship. He's not going to let underlings do that. He doesn't let other people have glory. He needs to get in good again with the Council because they of course know about this trial. Mm. And so yeah, it that made a lot of sense. It was weird that the Visser just hung around for a few days. Actually, no, it wasn't even that long. It no, was it was like a day. day. Did they even sleep ever? In I don't think they slept. Maybe that explains they a lot. Once. <laughs> <laughs> Did the ghostwriter sleep while writing this book? The other weird thing about that scene is he turns into a aluminar. Yeah, luminar, some kind of electric I like that whatever. Word. 
It was good. That was a really dangerous morph. It was. He's a gonna... weird choice for underwater. Yeah, he's like made of electricity and he's zapping the Nartex. Yeah. He definitely could have just zapped all the Animorphs. Yes. There was this thing where Jake is like, maybe going to kick the Visser off the ship. And I was like, how do you think you're going to do that? He was acting like he had the power over whether the Visser would come with them instead of being terrified of this, like, electric monster standing right in front of him about to zap the life out of him. Maybe they were all going to morph into electric eels (laughs) and be immune to his electricity. I bet even electric eels would get killed by that amount of electricity. Which, by the way, is the morph they should have done when they first got there. (laughs) Protective, lives underwater, could probably get back out, get through the holes in the net. The other thing I was going to say was, so he's zapping all of these Nartak mm-hmm. and killing them. And Jake says, okay, so there's piles and heaps of charcoal Nartek flesh. Oof. What a verb. Before any of us could, could what? Save the Nartek, our enemy? Absurd. And yet, though we hadn't asked for this battle, though the Nartek were prepared to murder <sighs> us, though we had all the moral right of self-defense... We had tried to avoid causing casualties. Really? Really, did ya? The previous chapter, there were... Rachel wiped out... Rachel alone, with one arm, wiped out dozens. That word is it's dozens yeah. of them. Do they know what casualties mean? Do Maybe they think it means deaths? Maybe that's what they think it means. don't understand. They, the Nartek and Jake calls out, old and young are coming one at a time through the hatch, and one at a time, they're being killed by the Animorphs, or mortally injured by the Animorphs. So, like, maybe get off your Andalite-esque moral high horse. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he's zapping them. You already did that. Yeah. Calm down. Moral high ground. There was also, like, this is one of those times when the battle was unusually bad for the Animorphs, for no real reason. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of Yerks. The Yerks have very powerful weapons. There's no reason the Animorphs should be in more danger from these Nartek, just because they keep coming. Yeah, again, it would be more interesting if there there was a twist on that. The Animorphs are super powerful and basically annihilating these pesky fish <laughs> people, right? Like, that's yeah. actually more of a moral quandary yeah. than the situation that they're in. And I mean, I buy that the power of greater numbers means that... Yeah. You know, they're getting tired. They yeah. are up against people with harpoons, which isn't great, but, like, one harpoon And machine us. guns. Yeah, and then there are machine guns, and all of a sudden... Which, by the way, the Nartek come in waves, and the first wave... It, and it's, like, by how primitive their weapons are, so it starts <laughs> with, like, spears and ends with machine guns. Maybe you want to reverse that yeah, a little bit? Yeah, think yeah. about that. But, okay, I think the Animorphs' real problem, and why this battle is so tough for them, is... Because they're completely incapable of strategic thought in this entire book. Yep. Mm. Like, okay, so they escape from the hospital, which we should talk about that scene because that was cool. Tobias saves them. Yeah. And and Jake's like, okay, screw this. We're just morphing battle morphs. We're not flying to the ship and then morphing battle morphs. We're not sneaking onto the sea blade. We're morphing battle morphs here and then running through the streets. To the sea blades so that they know we're taking it over and can come attack us. Because we want that for some reason. I mean, Jake didn't say any of the stuff about the consequences. But, like... Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. You, They should have at least tried to sneak on and then have gotten caught. Like, instead of just not even trying. Right. I believe they truly forgot in this whole book that they have subtle morphs. Right. <laughs> Their only options are battle morphs and orcas. Well, they morph birds to get out of the hospital. They're like, they don't know we can fly. That's brilliant. Fly Do over that. 
to the sea blade. It would be such a great plan. And then they wouldn't know you're on there. And Axe can have all the time he needs to get through the Visser's security and get the ship moving again. I did like in the battle, um, Marco is, as always happens to him, (laughs) impaled. yep. (laughs) But this time by uh, an old-timey sword, which is new. And Jake says, you hate to see it, which I truly enjoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, fine. Should we talk about how Tobias saves them all? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. That scene, again, had potential when the Animorphs all get drugged into this, like, kind of, like... That was terrifying. Yeah, it's like this passivity drug that where, like, Jake slowly loses his ability to think. Should we read what the Nartek were going to do to them? Yes. Also, maybe they took that drug at the beginning of this book. (laughs) No, they took some sort of weird aggression drug where they're like, we must get the sea blade. Um, I miss sorry. All right, so the Nartek is telling Jake what's going to happen to him. And then we will make an incision from the top of your skull down to your buttocks, then down along the back of each leg. Your ribs will be removed, then your internal organs, and eventually the rest of your tissue. They've got a plan. Sounds bad. Your organs and tissue will be processed to extract the helical molecule that controls heredity and later employed to augment the development of there are easier ways to get new dna you idiot marco yelled marco just wants to sleep with the fish lady there is a typo in that sentence but also good job marco is there 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 are easier (laughs) way to get new dna (laughs) so they they all somehow get injected uh and by this weed thing so they Mm -hmm. can't move they are losing all focus cold steel on my neck and then this new nartek shows up carrying a mace an, an ancient medieval club like sir fish a lot <laughs> ha 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 what he looked at me then he slammed the butt of the mace into the into naka's ribs naka went down sinking with magical slowness past my face um it's tobias and he has morphed into an nartek and has come to save them from Yay. their captives and i was so happy Good job, what a hero. Tobias is so competent. Yes. He really is. Although he took a while to find them. <laughs> He's like flying over the city being like, where are they? <laughs> I'm sure they'll soon morph birds and join me up here because that's the only logical thing to do. It's very reasonable, Tobias. Very uh, reasonable. And then Jake gets them captured by forgetting that people can be underwater here. And then Tobias saves them. Yay, Tobias. And gets Axe out of the refrigerator that he was in. Because they think Axe- he's a pet. Axe is really delightful in this book. Yeah, he is so pissed off that the Nartek don't recognize his inherent superiority. <laughs> I suppose my DNA was not good enough to improve yeah. this pathetic species, he said archly. Don't complain, Cassie said. You wouldn't have enjoyed the extraction process. I'm not afraid of needles. They use the entire body, grind it up and process it, and stuff whatever is left, Cassie explained. Ah, well, they are merely mutated humans. One can only expect so much. Is this when he comes out of the refrigerator they locked him yes, in? Yes, yes. He bridged him. <laughs> and I also like how Tobias doesn't immediately get him out of the fridge. Jake's like, where's Axe? And Tobias is like, oh, right, he's in this fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Which is presumably airtight. There's another great Axe moment where when they've first gotten into this cavern with all the ships mm-hmm. and they see the dead and stuffed uh, sailors on all the, all the different um, ships... Axe says, I am unable to identify the culture or people responsible for this, Prince Jake. This is so irrational and strange that I assume it must involve humans. <laughs> Not wrong. I also liked when, when they meet Queen Soko 
And she says, And I am extremely curious as to the four-legged blue creature that seems to accompany you as a pet. Axe stiffened. The creature is quite magnificent. Axe relax. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I like that. I like that. I did also like the thing where Queen Soko is like, oh, now that we have this superior Yerk technology, she doesn't say the word Yerk, but yes. this superior technology in the Sea Blade will finally be able to conquer the world. Mm-hmm. And then Axe is like, well, it's only Yerk technology. Andalite yeah. technology would have been better. Yeah, yeah, classic. Um, what do you all think of the name Sea Blade? I keep wanting to say Seabring, so. I feel like <laughs> if you have, if it's based on the Blade ship. Uh huh. Yeah. Unfortunately, that name is already taken. Mm-hmm. But why wouldn't you call it, like, the Blade Boat? Or the, <laughs> the Blade Marine or something. Boat is just not a dignified word. Yeah, I don't know. I thought Sea Blade was kind of cool. Sea Blade is cool, but if you think about it, it's you can't do anything to the ocean with a blade. I don't know. You cut through the waves. Like, the, you know, that's true. I guess you also can't do anything to the air with a blade. Yeah, for example. Yeah. I don't know, the the blade boat is just, it sounds like it's, you know, a little dingy. They're going to row. So there was one thing for a brief moment I was interested in some of the characterization in this book. Wow. Back in the very first chapter, uh-huh. Jake is talking about exposition, exposition, exposition. Um, Yorks are everywhere. It's overwhelming. And then he says, we are not winning this war. We're delaying the final defeat. No more than that. Oof. Maybe not as much as that. And I was like... This is such a grim and changed Jake. Like, what's yeah. happened to him over the past five books? And then he had absolutely no personality for the rest of the book, and I feel like the thread was dropped. But the, the paragraph jumped out at me as like, a, oh, wow, this is, you know, the war is really getting to him. Yeah, that that's movie. true. The 60s reference. <laughs> yes. Was it Shamu? No. <laughs> Because that was apparently a 60s reference. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I assumed it was a 90s reference. And then I Googled Shamu, and apparently Shamu was a whale and, like, died in 71. It's like a performer in the 60s. That's such an interesting thing, because it's, it's a part of our culture that, like, yeah. Shamu is the Well, I think Shamu whale. became, like, a type of show that would happen, uh, but, like, that was the original Shamu. Uh, no, the, the 60s reference that I had was... When they first meet the Nartek and don't yet know what they are, mm-hmm. for some reason, Rachel calls them B-Gs, Bluegills, <laughs> B-Gs. And Tobias replies, weren't they a group, like, a long time ago? <laughs> Thank you both I for that. really enjoyed that. And then Bluegills I think never comes back. But weren't the Bee Gees, like, 70s? Weren't they, like, disco? Yeah, all right. So it had only been 20 years to buy... It's just... It's a very, like, adult writing a teenager of, like, yeah, I grew up with the Bee Gees, but this teen is going to be like, weren't they a group, like, in the Stone Age? Are we doing 90s references? Because I have more. Sure. Yeah, okay. go for it. Um, Cassie has this line when they first get to the Nartek City. It's like a set for that movie, The Island of Lost Children, or, like, Peter Pan or something. Had you guys heard of The Island of Lost Children? Nope. It is a movie in French from 1995. When I Googled it, the title did not autocomplete. This movie is not well known. This is a movie that the ghostwriter saw and then referenced. I thought it was like, like, would it make sense for Cassie to reference this? Sure. No, it does not. I, I had thought that it was a reference to the Island of Misfit Toys. I mean, you would think, not, no, but no, it's the Island of Lost Children. Bizarre. Is a translation of the French title because it is a French movie. 
Cool. <laughs> this book is great. Yes. We had a Titanic reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel says it's like a sicko director's movie set. Is anyone else expecting to run across, say, the Titanic? There was a weird, like, this doesn't feel quite like a 90s reference, because I feel like the 90s were, like, political correctness was a huge thing. Jake is talking about one of the Nartek buildings being, like, one of those ancient Indian cliff dwellings made of adobe. And I was like, Indian was the word you chose for that? That seems like such a weird choice in the 90s. Yeah, now that's right, but in the yeah, 90s it's very, it's all like, like, Native American. That is interesting. Hmm. I have a few random things Go in it. my random section. This book didn't start with my name is. I was going to ask Why you about not? That. Why would they not? Why are they mixing it up? Don't mix it up. You have you have a thing. The thing. Do your thing. Stop it. I noticed that the Yorks were called gray slugs, which is inaccurate and is also slander against the color gray. I would very just important like to, to point us out here. that I need them to stop doing this. Yes, they need to. They're yellow. Yeah, I saw yellow, a picture. Greenish. Yeah. There was a thing where Jake says, there was there were men and women, if those terms applied, talking about the Nartag. And first I was like, oh, gender awareness. And then I was like, oh, no, he's just can't decide if they're human or not. Okay. But I was excited for a moment. Jake says at one point, we're not supposed to like it, this power we have. That, I don't know that that's a sentiment we've really, like, seen. We, I mean, Jake did that whole, like, don't work for fun thing for yeah, a while. That was, like, early on, though. It was a while ago. And it's also, like, there's so little they do get to enjoy. I don't know. Maybe it's just part of him being ground down by this by this war. He's mm. a very grumpy boy. <laughs> yes. Is he grumpy on the cover of this one? I will check. He's also, by the way, did you notice, a bit larger than a normal boy? <gasps> <gasps> Wait, I didn't notice! Oh, yeah, Why does that come you. up? It's right I can't believe it. I just assumed but... you would bring it up at some point. Oh. Yeah, um, <clears throat> he says, uh, from a normal human kid, maybe a bit larger than average, to a one-foot-high human kid. <laughs> totally missed that. He doesn't he's, like he's being ho- modest. He's being modest. <laughs> yes. He's, he's very tall. Yeah, something like that. Um, there's also, I hate to burst people's bubble, oh, no. I guess. Oh, no. But they do specifically talk about Andalite horses. <laughs> Wait, what does it uh, what does it say? In the first description of Axe, they talk about how he is a blue, a pale blue deer-like creature with the torso of a muscular mm. man. No. Muscular now. What about the weak arms? Torso of a muscular man. Because all those abs that Andalites right. have. Take down that website. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. Andalite lies. Andalite lies. On the other hand, everything else about this book is terrible. So That's true. Maybe the inaccurate Andalite description should go straight to the top. They did say that the tail had a blade, not a stinger, like Alternomorphs once said. That was just, you know, an alternate reality. All of Alternomorphs is an alternate reality. <laughs> yes. No, very true. Never need to revisit. I had a few descriptions of things that I really liked. Good. Despite this ghostwriter having some flaws. Let's hear them. So Jake and Marco are watching the launch of the Sea Blade. Jake says, straight up, the Sea Blade lifted up off the ground, rose like it was a styrofoam stage prop being lifted by cables and strings, which like, what a weird description, but also I kind of love it. I do like that. And all the while it was fading. It was an outline a watercolor and faded colors. That was cool. And then shortly after that, he's morphing the whale, and he says, My legs twisted around each other like a fat stick of raspberry licorice, a 25-foot-long stick of licorice. Unsurprisingly, I did not like that. I love it. (laughs) And then he says, My back was as black as a wet tire. My mouth filled with teeth the size of a hammer's claw head. I really liked both those things. 
Did you have any horrible morph descriptions in this? No, they were, I mean, they were not as bad as they usually are. Mm-hmm. Although I didn't realize at one point he specifically calls out, so morphing is never pretty. When you're exhausted and freezing and wet, it's seriously less than fun. Mm-hmm. Strange sounds, disturbing <laughs> sensations. I was like, oh, I, I forget about the sound. the sounds are just melting. They morphed so many times in this book. Yes, one after another. And, and they never slept. No. Jake they, did, did lampshade that at the beginning when Cassie wakes him up and he goes oh. over. He's like, oh, now that I'm an anamorph, I never know the next time I'm going to get to sleep. Yeah. Just these while. poor kids should have just left instead of exploring the Narjack City. Oh, Gray, I completely forgot to say... You completely nailed your prediction for this book. Yes! Everything about like the first third of this book was exactly as you predicted. The first and third. It went off the rails in a way that nobody could expect. So hard. <laughs> I was, at one point, they, they start talking about the Pemelite ship, and I was like, I am the queen of predictions. And then a third of the way through, and they were like, and then we crashed the sea blade. And I was like, now what happens? And it turns out, <laughs> Atlantis, I guess, fine. I'm like, that. I would have been okay if they just been like, a great job, everyone. Let's go home. Let's go home. We yeah. saw Mister Three swim away in his giant snake morph. That he had that one time. Oh. Short, short book. Like this is going to be a short episode. Jeez. I do want to talk a little bit about the scene with Han at the beginning, okay. the Harkajir mm-hmm. who's been mm-hmm. experimented on. It was like really legitimately horrible, like and like heartbreaking. Like mm-hmm. Jake shows up at the barn and Cassie turns to look up at him with eyes or dull with agony and, you know, tells Jake what's going on and, and Jake wants to save it and, and uh, grabs the oxygen mask from the ground where Cassie had dropped it in defeat. And Cassie's like, Jake, you can't, it's too late. And he pushes past and holds the mask to Han's mouth, opens the valve and Jake's like, you're not doing him any good. He's in pain. No one can help him. And she has to pull Jake away. And, and it's just like, they're both so miserable and helpless. And Jake's like, well, there's something in his throat. And she's like, I know I tried that. There's a valve that keeps closing. It's, like, they just have to watch this Arbiter die in front of them. And so does Jerahami. Yeah, who was friends Yeah, was friends. Him. Yeah. And so he's watching his friend die in oh. front of him because of this or three. And he wants to save them. And Toby then steps in and says, no, father, it's time for Han to go beyond. Our friends will help us destroy this or three and help us avenge Han's Our death. friends, Tobias and the Tobias others. Tobias and the others. <laughs> I did love that. I mean, yeah, it is very a very horrifying situation. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of annoyed at Jake. Like, I know there's some protagonist effect going on here, but like, if you're showing up in the situation and Cassie's telling you to give yeah. up, what are you doing? You're yeah. just like wasting time. It's like, yeah. it, it feels a little bit like he's like, well, I, uh, maybe I can be the one who can like really yeah. apply the oxygen mask the right way. <laughs> like, that's that's kind of true. And it's also, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that both Jake and Rachel would do. And it's mm-hmm. like the thing they have in common where they're like, no, let's just charge in. Right. Yeah. It is tough. And I did, I mean, this book kept fooling me with the title because, <laughs> as we know, the titles never mean anything. Uh-huh. But in this case, they're talking about this mutated Hork-Bajir. And I was like, oh, that's like, at least there is a mutation. Yeah, that's, that's really true. terrible. This or three tried to do this stupid thing. And then, then type my eye again. And then there was the Orca, the, the strange mutation intelligence. And I was like, oh, that's so dumb. I hate this book. It's fine. <laughs> is it as dumb as the predator being 
the lobster. No. Or maybe the bullshit. Nor is it as dumb as the prophecy not having a prophecy in it. I mean, there's lots of times, or the proposal not actually having a proposal. I mean, it was The proposal was to Marco. Yes, yes. So I was like, ugh, fine. And then it got to the Atlanteans, who actually had mutated, and then they stopped talking about mutations. And I was Mm -hmm. like, why? Why would you do this? I was just annoyed by it. So for the proposal, I like to think that at some point (laughs) during Marco's dad's wedding... Marco makes a joke to Jake about how they should definitely get married. And Jake laughs a little because it's a little bit funny and thinks he's joking, but he's totally not. That was the real proposal. I love it. It is like a more accurate title than most. So, you know. Yeah. Three whole mutations. They do sort of count the cost of like Herpiger death in this more than they sometimes do. Like they are really, you know, Han, the Han thing is very like visceral and, and horrifying. Mm-hmm. And then when they get back onto the sea blade, they're like, oh, crap, we have to deal with the original crew. Oh, yeah, that was creepy. Who the Nartek have mummified, and they're really disturbed by, like, even though like, their bodies don't weigh as much as they normally would, it's still, like, hard to get them out of their stations, and it wasn't easy to touch them, knowing they'd been breathing only hours before. Remembering the Horkbajir cries I'd heard while in Soko's palace, remembering Han. And, like, they kill a lot of Horkbajir and don't make a big deal out of it, so maybe this is, like, them being kind of hypocritical, but that's also, like, I'm glad you're paying attention to the Horkbajir. I want to know how the Nartek decided to keep the Animorphs instead of the Horkbajir. Well, they didn't know where the Animorphs' ship was. Mm. Although then they seem like they're going to kill them all without finding out, so that's not a great reason. Yeah, but it was like two groups of people have landed, and one of them immediately got tortured and killed, and the mm-hmm. other one got to have dinner first. I guess we don't know if they killed all the Horkbajir, but yeah. They're definitely torturing them. Yeah. Which is weird, because wouldn't they just inject them? Yeah. Great question. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> there are the, a lot of things that don't that make we sense. The more that we dig in, the worse it gets. <laughs> yeah, this book is not say. getting any better. Yeah, I, I like it significantly less than when I walked in here, actually. You're welcome. <laughs> I am here to help. I liked the thing where Jake says, there, this is when they're orcas fighting the, the sea blade. Below me, I heard a panic of thought speak. The confused, agitated babble you hear in old recordings of mm. fighter planes in dogfights. And I was like, that's kind of a cool description of it. And yeah. it's also like foreshadowing all of the military history they're going to see. Um, but yeah, it makes sense that like, sometimes the thought speak would just all happen on top of itself. Yeah, I liked that. That was a good line. I also liked how, liked is not the right word, their their Nartek guide is carrying what Jake believes to be a German World War II vintage submachine gun. How does he know that? Like, did the German submachine guns look different in a way than what? Maybe it's like... Does have a know, German word on it? Does it say like maybe Volkswagen? Maybe it's just like, it's the recognizable <laughs> model from the GoldenEye N64 game. You know, the super, <laughs> super pixelated gun. It's like it actually looks that way in real life. You're made out of little boxes. That's amazing. Yes. They got a copy of that game because someone was playing it on one of the ships. They took and they're like, let's build this gun. Yes. And then they found little cardboard boxes put together. Or if they're real Tom Clancy nerds, then they'll know a lot about the way different guns look. <laughs> but only by the description. But only by the description. So you have to have a really vivid imagination. I... Kind of like, I want to read this description of the Tower of the Nartex. Mm-hmm. We haven't said that much good about this book, and it was kind of a cool description. There. From the center of the city rose a fantastic tower. It was a visual trip through the history of technology. At its base, it was constructed of massive iron cannon. 
welded and bolted upright deck upon deck, rising perhaps 30 feet. All of it was covered in hammered gold and silver, a billion dollar skin. That's a lot of gold and silver. I don't know if billion is the right word there, but anyway. After that, the building materials began to change. Heavy iron plate, smokestacks, massive guns, steel pipe, another 20 or 30 feet, and then the lighter construction. Aluminum sheathing, wire, computer consoles, the tubes of burned out missiles. This is random crap they're building their tower out of. It's pretty cool, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Speaking of aluminum. Edge of my seat here. (laughs) Rachel has this moment where they touch, like, the electricity, like, they're out on some force field or something, and she says, Ugh, feels like biting tinfoil with a mouthful of fillings. Rachel, how would you know what that feels like, Marco said. I always assumed you were a perfect specimen of oral hygiene. Never mind, she snapped. That's good. Marco got her good. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that something you guys have experienced? Yes. Have you bitten tinfoil yeah. with a mouthful of fillings? Well, I mean, with a couple. Like, yeah, like a, I have a couple of fillings. I don't know if I've bitten tinfoil. I highly okay. recommend not. Okay. It's also right. worse if you have braces. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Rachel definitely doesn't have braces. She has perfect teeth now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I definitely did. That. I've done <laughs> so that like, many teeth. maybe twice in my life and booked it. Like, uh, it's, okay. it's the worst. All right. Worse than nails on a chalkboard. It felt a little to me like they're like, oh, we really want to say that it's like this feeling. They're all like kind of young. Was, is it reasonable to give this to one of them? And they're like, oh, okay, we'll play it off as like a weird thing that Rachel has. Sure. Mouth's just full of feelings. Oh, she has so many teeth. <laughs> There's a lot more opportunities. I liked that Marco and Euclid are bonding. Oh, yeah. He's like, look, I don't know about anyone else, but I believe in listening to my instincts. This is probably one of the many things he said that Gray agreed with. I did. And my instincts are saying, you've done enough, Marco. Go home. Play with the stupid poodle. Do some homework. Euclid did nothing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And Marco knows that. And yeah. Yeah. Marco, uh, the other time I agreed with him at the very beginning, he says, a plan would be nice, Marco Mm -hmm. said. And I said, you tell him, Marco. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Tobias responds, we don't know enough to make any plans. Which I said, Tobias, I'm going to assume your advice is therefore to gather intelligence, not to go in without a plan. (laughs) I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Oh, I have a question. Why why is the Seablade crewed entirely with Horkajer? I thought the Taxons did the subtle work. And also, it's underwater. What a great place to have Taxons who can swim. Maybe he forgot to let the Taxons out of the floor back in 33. (laughs) He's so bad at floors. Well, I guess, no, you probably need to keep importing more taxi controllers because eventually they just all eat each other, right? <laughs> so you think they're out of taxes? They're out of taxes. <laughs> Why we not haven't seen any humans? Why weren't there any humans on the blade ship or the sea blade? Oh. The blade boat. The blade boat. I had all kinds of good reasons to go forward. No reason for turning back. This is not true. Uh, <laughs> except fear. And another feeling. Like fear, but subtly different. And I said, common sense? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> that cave, those creatures, Ugh. something about it all gave me the unholy creeps. And I said, which in your case is as close as you get to common sense. <laughs> oh, Jake really doesn't do well in this book. No one does great in this book. Just, you know, write this book off. There is one instance of Marco calling Jake Big Jake and another instance of him calling him Big Guy. And I just like that he has these pet names for him. Adorable. We can move on now. Okay. Wait. Extended Animorphs Universe. Okay, so first thing, this is less breaking, but still very exciting. The Animorphs audiobooks are coming out. So every month 
January through April, we're getting two Animorphs audiobooks, and they are read by different narrators. So we got the first Jake book and the first Rachel book out now, um, and they're actually really good. Would recommend. Great. All right. Would you, you recommend them? I would recommend them. I listened to the first one, and I'm not going to listen to any more because there are so many things I want to talk about with the first book now that mm. I've read 37, and I want to read it again when I'm done with the whole series. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to go back and reread the first two. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I have pre-ordered them, but I'm not going to listen to any of them until we're done. Well, okay. So I'll say I listened to a little bit of the second one, too, to see if I liked Rachel as much as I like Jake. I think mm-hmm. I like her better, though Ooh. I haven't listened to as much of the book yet. Excellent. But they both kind of do voices for all the different characters. Mm. Um, it's definitely not always what I would imagine, <laughs> but in general, seem to be pretty good takes on the characters. And I'm super excited to hear eventually six different voices. And I I super hope, because the first eight books are the ones that got re-released in 2011, so I super hope that they go beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, So part of the reason I'm mentioning is because if this is a thing that you would like, listen to them, and then maybe they'll (laughs) go support them. Yeah. Um, But the other Animorphs news that's real breaking news that is super duper exciting is something that Jenny knows about, but Greg is not. Coming in October, the Animorphs graphic novel, 230 Whoa. pages of The Invasion. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm so excited okay. about this. Look at the back of their heads. Okay. So that must be... Yeah, go Marco, on. Marco, Tobias, Jake, Rachel, and Cassie. Yep. There's some more There's okay. some more pages here. And then I, I think people saw... Did you read this article, Ty? Do you know it's safe? I did. It okay. is... Well, yeah. I guess don't read the article, Gray. I didn't, I didn't look through... In okay. particular, this second page here tells me that he's going to get the tone of it perfect because it's like empty, dark '90s suburbia. As they're <laughs> the construction site. It's so good. This is very cool. He is contracted to do the this first three books. Um, cool. So we're going to get you know Ooh. at least for the Ooh, next book three, three years oh a couple my of gosh. them. He'll do it as long as they'll have him. So that means, you know, making one graphic novel per year until he's 100 years old. (laughs) (laughs) He tried to make the funny parts funny and the intense, heartbreaking moments as powerful as he could, right? So it's not just a silly adaptation. So he's writing it and drawing it. He's adapting it. He's adapting it. Okay. Someone's like, what's the status of gore and violence? Without spoiling anything, I'll just say we all know what happens and you won't be disappointed. It helps that a lot of the messy parts happen to the aliens and not the kids. Mm. I did enjoy popping all those taxons. I can't wait to see what that looks like. I am so excited. There are some more panels on his Instagram, but that's basically it. And it's coming out in October. I don't know if I said that, but I'm like super excited about it. Okay. And Morphology will be back in October with (laughs) our review of the first graphic novel. Maybe we can stretch things so we're still making episodes then. Yeah, we'll see. Animorphies. Back to predictions. Don't look at the cover of 37 yet. Actually, I think the cover's fine, right? Yeah. Okay, but don't look at the cover yet. Won't be any help, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I never are. Okay, so there's some weird stuff with this one. (laughs) Yeah, because it's the one where everything happens. They go back to the end. Exactly. That's why it's weird. No, so there are some spoilers associated. Like, you remember the spoiler on the back of book 20 that was like part one of a trilogy? Yeah. It's not that, but it's that kind of thing associated with the book. Okay. So you can't look at Amazon's book because they don't take that out. Ooh. So we have a safe copy on our website that you can download. And we have the Moby if you want to like read it in your Kindle app. Okay. But you should do that one. And you should not look at Goodreads because there are spoilers for later stuff. What? I can't tell you what they are. Okay, so I shouldn't <laughs> look at the, at the Kindle one. No, I mean, I think you can look at the cover. I think the cover is safe. Yeah. 
um, but before reading it. Yeah, don't read that version. What is it? Uh, okay, um, book 37, finally. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> I can't wait for every single one of your predictions to come true. I'm a little disappointed because this has been my trash can book for yeah. so long. I'm going to yeah. need a new one. Um, <laughs> 54. Everything happens in 54. I can't we remember. We already have very specific predictions for like 50, 53, and 54. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've decided that's already true. what happens in 50 through 54. It's just what happens in the 40s I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. about. Um, okay, so it's, um, it's a Rachel book. She is morphing into Jag... No, what the hell is that called? Cheetah. Uh, one of the spotty big cats. Cheetah. I assume at some point Marco will make a cheetah pun. Just seems likely. Um, and uh, it's called The Weakness. And the little cut text thing is, Jake's not around. Who will take his place? You guys are so excited about this. Because I know that at some point, they get an extra Animorph. Who isn't mm. Melissa Chapman and isn't David. But something else happens. And I'm guessing it happens in this book. So, what happens to Jake? Jake? How do you know this? Yeah, how do you know this? You guys told me at one point. Did we? Did we? Yes, I, okay. I remember when you tell me things because I need all of the help I can all get. Right, okay, right. okay. Well, because, and then, then I kept guessing that it was going to be like, do you remember when we read the Megamorphs and there was Melissa at the beginning? And I was like, is this what you guys were talking about? And it wasn't. It was wow, like, I don't remember this at all. <laughs> okay. No comment. Guys, no comment. Really <laughs> so I know that this happens, sort of. I don't know what happens. Um, okay, so the weakness is that they don't have Jake, and they don't have Jake because Kryak kidnaps him and takes him to um, it takes him to the escort planet just by himself this time. Ah, okay. that's where the escort planet comes so back. They don't all go to the escort planet. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just, just got Jake. it. Okay, and then they have to figure out who's going to take his place for the mission to Lyra, which oh, is also right, the other of course, because <laughs> they need six people to they go. Need six, right, they need a yeah. Six they bought person. six tickets already right. on the Lyra space shuttle. Lyra <laughs> space shuttle. Um, on the Z space shuttle. <laughs> so, who is going to take his place? I don't think David comes back because that would be bonkers. Although, like here, he'd be this a really, rat is taking the yeah, He'd be a really ticket. useful yeah. team member. Right? <laughs> just the one guy. He's just so good at strategy and so smart. And it's not going to be Eric because he can't morph and because he can't, you know, hit people anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing. Okay, now see, I was going to say, I'm guessing it's going to be another white boy. But maybe not. Maybe they're going to mix it up and they're going to have like an Asian woman. Do we know any other named characters at all? I don't think so. There's Mr. Tidwell. Sure. <laughs> uh, I think it's just some rando. Okay. Like David. Just shows up one day and they're okay. like, hey. Asian woman. Come shows hang up. out with us. What's her name? Um, her name is uh, Anne. Anne. Okay. All right. Uh, to the Amy. newest animal. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I got it from. Good, great. All right, well, I, that's going to be great to read about. Looking forward to reading that one. Next time on number 37. <laughs> Weakness. And more published. If you want to find us, we are at animorphology.com and at animorphology on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. And if you want to read along, you can find a link to the Animorphs ebooks on our website. Does anyone um, else want to call them the Naztec? The Nartrek? Mm-hmm. The Nartrek? What is my problem? <laughs>